What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Hard Knocks UT with Leland Lowe, ATB Paul, the ATB crew. Uh, DR Vol can't be here tonight. Uh, he's got family stuff going on. Vol can't be here tonight. Uh, sending out his thoughts and prayers for him. Um, give it a minute, see if we can get a couple more people in here on the live. So we are live as we will be each week from now on so you guys be looking out for that so tennessee completely dismantled missouri uh saturday 62 to 27 no 24 24 62 24 big win big win so uh let's dive right into that leland what what's your big takeaway from the game so um at the beginning of the year right before uh, Bowling Green, I remember talking about how I just wanted to see a complete ass beating. And even even from a non-Power 5 standpoint, we haven't seen that in a long time. The whole pro era it was always 35 points. It was always 24 points. It was always whatever. We never did see that 50, 55, 60 point outburst, right? Bowling Green, Thought worst team in, in, in D1, whatever. We thought we were going to get an ass beaten. 38 to, I forget the score, 7 or 10 or whatever. That was kind of boring, right? So didn't get our ass beaten wish. Tennessee Tech came. We put 50-something on them. We got our ass beaten uh, wish, right? So uh, Missouri, that's an ass beaten. That is a complete woodshed. Take your kid behind Kmart parking lot and wear his ass out. That is something that I don't. I can't remember the last time we've done that to to maybe to really anybody. Not and much less an SEC opponent. Much less SEC East opponent. Um, I should have looked this up before we we went on, but I would surely like to say that one ass whooping that comes to mind was one of Dooley's years. When Justin Hunter and Bray and all them were freshmen, and uh, we we killed Ole Miss. That's like unless I'm missing something since then. I don't know if Butch ever did that. Twenty, but 20, 2016, it was uh, Missouri. We beat sixty three to thirty something. Okay, that was the, well, that was the last time. I, I, giving up thirty. I know we gave up twenty four. A bunch of those were last last fourth quarter. You know, garbage touchdowns. That, that one you just mentioned, I remember some of those games, like we just couldn't stop the run, and, and Dobbs just went out there and outscored them, uh, doubled their score. But um, from the very beginning, from the very beginning, we went straight down the field. I mentioned it on the pod last week. I said, you don't need a quarterback, and we, we didn't. We methodical, it was very surgical, went down the field, run it down, uh, down their throat, um, I, I mentioned all the, uh, the stats about, um, rushing that they've given up and I'd never in a million years thought we would have done that based off the rushing that we put on the field to this point. And I mentioned how nothing was fancy to this point. That's what worried me a little bit. I didn't know if it was just shotgun handing it off and that's exactly what we did. Like, I feel like all of us in right now, our four of us, we, we would have 50 yards rushing easy against Missouri. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was garbage. I mean, I've never seen anything like that. And and we we had to watch South Sinceri coach a defense here. But um, complete team effort. It was great. Um, I hope we I hope this is like a snowball effect. It really gets us going a little bit. Like this is what the hopple. I was hoping the hopple trending up was like Pitt, and we beat Pitt, play hard with Florida, maybe beat them. But maybe it's just a game or two late. And now we're now that we're getting into the meat of our schedule, maybe that'll send us forward yeah i um i was pretty pleased with this game i just want to say welcome back from the dead leland i'm glad you decided to come back to us. <laughs> um so i was like super happy i thought we did really good coming out stopping mizzou making them punt immediately and then i loved how fast we opened on offense um i think it 36 yard touchdown pass, which we've been waiting to see like this whole season. I mean, now that we have like officially came out and just actually stomped someone, I feel like we're starting to see some of the pieces of the puzzle click. I feel like our guys as a team have a lot of chemistry. They seem to really uh, 
support each other. They seem to be super bought into what Hypel and his crew is doing. Um, I was going to mention, I had asked during the game on Saturday, um, when was the last time that we scored like that much in a quarter, in the first quarter? Uh, someone, I believe this was accurate, so I want to – I can't remember exactly who it was. I think it might have been Bet Smart on Twitter. Um, I wanted to know SEC opponent when the last time we scored 28 or more points was in the first quarter. They said um, they sent me the thing that they referred to, and it was 2000 against Arkansas. So 21 years ago. Um, I thought that was just incredible. I mean, for these guys to just get together, just know each other and to come up with something that hasn't been done in 21 years. So I was just really impressed. We never punted. I mean, what? when in the hell is the last time that has happened? I was just really shocked. Um, and I also just want to say, people are kind of, they're like, why is everyone jumping the gun? It's one game. I have, I see no reason with being excited over this win we blew them out of the water, scored 62 points against an SEC opponent that we were favored to lose to away. So, yeah, we can get excited about this. And honestly, you should, because as a, teen, as, as a Tennessee fan, you take everything you can get at this moment. So I say take it, be happy, run with it. And that's what I got. So for me, I think one of the biggest things has to be just the obvious coaching improvement we've had from the last four coaches. Derek Dooley could score, but he couldn't hold a defense. Butch Jones would get up and then stop scoring. Pruitt flat out couldn't score. Heupel finally has this team playing with a mentality like, hey, don't look at the scoreboard. Play like you're down three and need a touchdown to win the game every drive. We're, we, we didn't have to score 62 points to win this game. We could have stopped scoring at halftime and still beat Missouri by 21 points. When was the last time we've ever could have ever said that, that we could have got shut out and won by three scores? That shit just doesn't happen for us. So we're looking at the fact of the matter is we don't quit anymore when we get up. And to me, someone who watched the heartbreak against Oklahoma live in Neyland and then to go down to Florida the next week and pull that bullshit, I mean, that was just – that come, those kind of losses are frustrating. So when we got up 28-3 and then we go into halftime up 45-3, to like we genuinely continue to put on more steam that something we've not seen out of the Tennessee team since I've been alive watching Tennessee sports. And we, I, I want to mention Hendon Hooker again. I know I'm kind of a hooker for hooker kind of thing, but Hendon Hooker has been playing amazing football. I have his stats pulled up right here. He went 15 for 19 throwing with 225 yards and three touchdowns, two, three different receivers. And I think that speaks volumes because our receiving core is not that great this season, if we're going to be honest. It's not – we don't have a Jawan Jennings. We don't have a big target like Marquez Callaway. But we have guys who want to be here. And I think it's so ample to – if you're down talent, you have to be up in heart. Because talent-wise, you're not going to go out and beat Ole Miss. You're not going to beat big teams. Uh, I don't think we're going to beat Georgia, but we're definitely not going to beat Georgia by not having any heart. You're not going to beat Kentucky this season without having heart. Because we don't have the talent to just Alabama people and just out-talent them by every scoring every position because we have five stars on the back. We don't. We really don't even have enough five stars to start at any certain position group. We're a team right now who is playing because we're bought into a system. And to me, to see guys huddle around a coach and a coach actually exemplify leadership and showing you day-to-day -day that he's not going to put up with the bullshit that's going on he, never, he doesn't make excuses in the media. He's showing you that, hey, I know shit messed up. I'm going to fix this shit. And if not, I'm going to come bring people in who will fix it. And to me, that is just exciting to have on Rocky Top for once. Um, when Pruitt left and, you know, just even during the coaching search, it was clear that we needed to change the culture um, on campus. I know that's something we hear every coaching change. Got to change culture. Um. So looking into this, 2019 through five games, we were putting up 23.6 points per game. We had 14 touchdowns. 2020, 22.2 points per game through five games, also 14 touchdowns. 2021, right now we're sitting at 40.8 points per game. 
points per game and 27 touchdowns. We've we've doubled, except for one. We've almost doubled um, touchdowns through five games from the last two years. Um, so I, you know, we're definitely changing the culture. Our culture is now scoring points. You gotta love that. Um, Jeremy Pruitt mentioned several times over the uh, last couple of years that you need guys uh, that can play at an SEC level to win games in this conference. Um, Josh Heupel has come in and took over a team that just lost 30 guys and is is blowing SEC teams out of the water. You know, you can say what you want to about Missouri's defense. That's an SEC team. That's a 30-point win. Um, what would you guys say to Jeremy Pruitt if he was standing in front of you right now? I don't think he's ever scored that much in his sex life, much less on the field. Um, I think uh, he's never seen points like that. He he just could not um, – he could not grasp. And we had Jim Chaney who was scoring 35 and 40 against – with Dooley in them. We could – he could not just grasp an offensive um, – the mindset of, of, of getting guys open, getting guys the ball, getting getting guys moving the chains. Um, I don't – I have no idea where this tweet came from. I can't remember who tweeted it, but I saw something today that said something like, we're already like 11 points shy of, of, of the points scored last year. 11 points already through um, short of – from last year. And that's just, I mean, that's just god awful. Um, but, and I said it, I'm going to say it a thousand times, and I'll say it till the day, you know, Hopple's gone. You can win in college football if you can, A, develop a quarterback, and B, um, have an offensive scheme that scores points. And, um, but, like, some of these guys, like, like everybody's in love with Kiffin. Everybody's in love with uh, freaking Lincoln Riley. Everybody's in love with, um, you know, all these high flying offenses. And and even even old school Nick Saban has has brought in offensive coordinator after offensive coordinator to try to make all his offense two thousand that year. He's trying to install stuff that's that's going to fit scoring points. And uh, that was Pruitt's downfall. I mean, he could he he wasn't that great of a defensive coach, because look at our defense this year. I mean, it, it, we were we our biggest worry was depth and defensive line and linebackers and and that that Bama linebacker that went down there and we were going to lose him and all this crap and and the defense is playing decent. I mean, it, it's almost like that. Hopple just come in and just basically waved a, a magic wand. And I, I I really do have hope for this guy. I, I stay – I give you guys hell because y'all love to pump the sunshine and wear the glasses. And I know I've been around a little longer and seen it from, from when we were really good. And and I just I, – I stay – I used to be the, the coach worshiper type. I used to be the the orange pants wearing dooley and the and the butch please t-shirts but i gave up all on that and when you when you get hurt so many times you just you get tired of the coach worship and that's why i try to tell y'all and low low grilled me the other day about the, about um missouri and 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 me being wary about it but that's just ut football and us and them giving us shit and shit in the bed and and that's all i was saying about that i mean i just was staying Staying, staying in the middle. If I if I don't lean over to the left a little bit, lean to the right. Now I'm sucked in. Like I fully expect Tennessee to beat South Carolina by at least by thirty. I mean I do, and then something will happen and we'll miss a game winning field goal or something. But uh, getting a little off topic. But um, I, if he can get some players in here, and if he can do what he's doing with Hooker that he has been doing, um. And, and, and kudos to him for, for making a QB change early and not sticking with a guy for eight weeks, nine weeks. He saw the problem. He saw the issue. And you could say Milton had the injury, but it, it doesn't matter what the reason is. The guy's starting. The guy that should be starting is starting. And that's all I have to say about that. So, touching on, I get, I think, I think Bandit said 
Uh, sorry, Leland, I'm not trying to call you out, but did you ask what we would say to prove it if we had a chance? Okay. So, topic. no, 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 you're fine. I was just, I was trying to rally my head around it. Um, so basically, first of all, I will kind of elaborate. I feel like I used to always think that really strong defense would always win games. I felt like if you could stop the ball or turn, you know, force a turnover, you would always be able to win. But I feel like in the past, I mean, decade or so, especially, it's really shifted to a more offensive type of game. And I mean, you know, you have to be able to score points now in order to hang with any of these teams, I feel like. And then good defense is just an icing on the cake, in my personal opinion, just from the what I've seen the past few years. Um, honestly, I don't think Pruitt was really good at either. I would like to know what he even put on his resume to qualify for the head coaching position because he didn't show me anything when he was here. And everyone knows I like a good conspiracy. I'm about to the point where I'm just sitting here thinking he got paid off to come here, fucked Tennessee over, then left because no one picked him up afterwards. He just like faded into existence. So that's probably what I would ask him. I honestly, I mean, I'm not trying to like shit on Pruitt super hard or anything, but looking at what Heupel has done in just not even half a season and what I saw out of Pruitt with this supposed quality talent, I would just ask him what the hell he was doing. Honestly, I mean, he had all those guys and he lost them all for some reason. I don't think the team was united under him. I don't even think he disciplined them. Um, I'm really not even sure what he did besides just lose football games, if I'm being honest. I might, that might be a little bit harsh, but that's exactly where I'm at. So if I had Jeremy Pruitt in my in my face, like in person. I don't know if the first thing I would do to him is say something. I would probably punch him in the damn head. But uh, the first thing I would like to ask him was, why did he you choose to die on the hill that was JG? Why could you not go into the transfer portal or recruit somebody that you actually wanted to start? You recruit Harrison Bailey. You tell everybody Harrison Bailey is going to be the second coming of Jesus Christ. You, you ag on and ag on and ag on and ag on Harrison Bailey. And then he gets here. You push him to the back of the quarterback room. You tell Brian Maurer and JT Shrout that, hey, you two are better than that guy. You two are going to play over that guy. The guy you've told in recruiting, though, that he's going to play as soon as he gets here. Because even Harrison Bailey said in the interview over the summer, he was like, well, when I got here, I expected to start because that's what I was told by the coaching staff. The previous coaching staff told me I was expected to play minutes my freshman year. And then he's nowhere to be found. It also reminds me of Butch's situation in 2017 when he kept JG on the bench, told him, hey, this game against Georgia Tech, we're going to flip-flop quarterbacks. JG doesn't see the field until Indiana State. And now we're sitting in a situation where Heupel's took your roster minus 30 of its possibly better players and has a better record with, than you after five games of his first year than you did in five games of your third year. And, yeah, you can say, well, the schedule's all the SEC. Heifel's given Bowling Green and Texas, Tennessee Tech as free wins. Okay, when the fuck did Pruitt score 60 on anybody that had a relevancy name? Did he ever score 50, like, in his whole career here? I know we scored 40. I don't think he uh, ever scored 50. 50, 53, or 59, but it was ETSU. Okay, so he scored 59 against ETSU. Heifel had damn near 50 at the first half on the road in the SEC East opponent. Yep. And that's year one. We're seeing year three shit or better than year three shit from the previous coach in year one. And Hypo doesn't even have a full team of scholarship players. Like we're playing walk-ons at this point. Our backup linebackers are not on scholarship. Like Hypo is doing a lot less or a lot more with a lot less than Pruitt did with a lot more. It's just, it's just mind boggling. Like just seeing how shitty Pruitt was as a head coach, because you're seeing the results with lesser of what he had here. Like it's not, the Tennessee curse is over. Like, you can't tell me that there's this big hex around Tennessee that we can't be good at football. Yeah, let's – Well, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll argue this. I'll, I'm That's bold. Let's hold off. You, you won't be thinking that after Georgia. Let's say that. Well, we're not talented enough to beat Georgia, but we're not going to be losing to teams we shouldn't be anymore. All right, so some things I've, I've got wrote down here um, – uh, thinking about some things we've said, I know I, I kept hitting almost every pod that I, I wanted to see us sustain drives. 
we had uh, 35 first downs against Missouri. Um, so you know, maybe that's on the on the low defense, but I think we're getting better at sustaining drives. Um, opening up the run game helps. Um, we've we've seen a lot of penalties through the first four games. We only had two penalties for 20 yards against Missouri, so we're getting better there. We were plus two in the turnover margin, and we held Missouri to 74 rushing yards. They came into this game averaging 160 a game. Um, I wasn't big on the Tim Banks hire when we first brought him in. I think I'm definitely a Tim Banks believer, I'm, or I'm getting there. Um, Where did he come from? Penn yes, State. Penn State. Um, so looking at some stats here, uh, Hendon Hooker, is fifth in the nation for passer rating currently. He's number five behind uh, Alabama's Bryce Young, number four. Um, and honestly, it's like a two by two point margin. He's behind Bryce Young at Alabama. Um, where were you guys at on Hooker? I know, I know. Uh, in a previous pod, we we talked a lot about Joe Milton, and I meant to go back and look because Leland brought it up last week about the question that we were asked: uh, how many games we start thought Milton would start throughout the season. Where were you guys at with Hooker uh, before the season, and where are you at with him now? Um, well, I didn't really know much about him um, before the season. I know all I heard was that he left Virginia Tech, and in my head, fandom rings, and you're like, well, if he couldn't make it at Virginia Tech, then why would he make it here? But that's not always the case. There's more to the story. I, mean, I don't know the story. Um, he is so much fun to watch. Like, he is like the perfect spread type. And I wouldn't even necessarily call him like a Lamar Jackson type scrambler. He reminds me of like a, um, I, I don't, like he basically is just his own guy. Like, I, I can't even think of anybody he, he would remind me of. He's, he he looks cool in uniform, like he has the visor and the cool helmet and the and the single digit and like, like like we just want a guy that looks cool like, like that. I mean, is that too much to ask? We got it, but um, he he's so much fun to watch, and like the little seam routes that they hit last week, um, it was like third and eighteen. I'm like, okay, the safety's gonna be smart here. Come on, Hooker, don't do nothing stupid. I know it's we're killing them. And it was like touchdown Tennessee, straight down the middle, uh, just a straight line throw. <coughs> and um, I was I was impressed. I, I was impressed with him down in Florida. Um, he's not gonna he's not gonna you know make a lot of mistakes. He's not gonna throw. He's not gonna have a four pick game. He's not gonna have a two fumble game. Knock on wood. But um, he's just a, he's just. He fits what Hopple wants to do, I think. And, and and it took a couple games for us to to get to this point. But um, I like him. I do. I, I want to see him continue this. I want him to continue getting better. Um, I, I saw a graphic, and I'm sure you guys know this. I saw a graphic that said he's a senior red shirt, but we actually do have a year more of him. Is that correct? Yep. So just think about him in year two of this, of this offense. With more weapons, more you know, if we're putting sixty already, I just I just would love to know the excitement going forward when we got this really down and and we're and we're when we're going. I'm gonna but, I'm gonna I'm gonna add a part to the question. Rocky Top Dad says we're four and one if Hooker starts the pit game. You guys agree with that? Well, that's hard to say because he came in like three drives. I mean, it's not like he came in in the fourth quarter and we were down. Um, now, you could you could argue to the opposite of that. You could argue, well, he would be taking first-team reps during practice all week. He would be getting the the prep, uh, the prep for it. Um, I'll say this. if if I'll turn that – I'll twist that a little bit. If Pitt was scheduled a little later in the year, like if Pitt was this weekend, I would, I would pick Tennessee to beat um, Pitt. Um, Maybe we just didn't have our feet under us real quick. I don't know if I can necessarily agree that if he started that game because he came in in like three drives. He came in after a couple drives. But he, he rallied us there. First couple drives, he made some mistakes there. He he took a sack or two, and but that's in the past, whatever. Sometimes it just takes a, takes a minute to get going. But he's, he's so much fun to watch. 
So in the beginning of the season, I really, I mean, I was a Milton guy strictly because I saw the potential in his arm and how far he could potentially throw the ball. Um, you know, once we saw how inaccurate that turned out to be and Hooker kind of got his chance, I saw a lot of potential in Hooker. I didn't know much about him at all, but now I know a lot. I didn't know he was hospitalized for COVID. I heard that, and I was just, that was last year, apparently. He was hospitalized for COVID. He's had all these injuries and bounced back. Um, one, that shows me that he's tough and he's resilient, so I love that, and I think that just shows his character. Um, secondly, on the field, I think he's very poised and effective, like both hanging in the pocket and with his ability to scramble. I think he's super athletic. It seems like his team is 100% behind him, as well as his coaches. Um, I think he's very effective with his leadership. And I just really like how united um, everyone is under him. I feel like they aren't necessarily um, really nervous or anything about being out on the field with him. I, I just think he looks great. I mean, even in Missouri, did y'all know? I mean, he was our second top rusher behind Evans. I think he had – what did he have? He had – I think he finished the game with 80 yards. Yeah, 80 yards on the ground. I mean, our quarterback, our second rusher, I just – I think he's so dynamic. I really love uh, his potential. Now, if we would have won the game with Pitt, that's hard. I mean, because there's so many – you can speculate all day long. I mean, what if he got injured? Where would we be at now? Um, I mean, there's just so many different things. I think in terms of does he fit the scheme better, yeah, that's why he's QB1, but I don't like to speculate because – you know, even if you change one factor, that one factor could change five other factors. So you can't really make a prediction, in my opinion, on that. Um, but, I mean, like what Leland said, though, I mean, if we were, like, leading up to Pitt now, um, yeah, I think we would beat them. I think we're more talented. But it, going backwards, I don't like to do that. I just think there's too many unknowns. And when you get to thinking about that, that makes me think of the LSU voodoo type of stuff, and I don't like to go that route. <laughs> so I want to start out by saying at the beginning of the season, before Josh Heupel announced Joe Milton was the starter, I went into the quarterback situation. I expected Hendon Hooker to win it. I promise on God anybody who talked to me before the season started would tell you I fully expected Hendon Hooker to win the starting spot. but I'm the kind of guy who, until a coach gives me a reason not to trust him, I'm going to trust him. Like, who the hell am I? He knows way more about football than I do up until this point. Uh, but Hendon Hooker, if he gets Bowling Green to get all of his miscues out of the way, because we saw, I mean, after the pit game, he got his miscues out of the way. Like He missed a couple throws through that one interception, but then he goes against Tennessee Tech really kind of dog stomps, and we all expected that. I mean, anybody could play quarterback on that defense. But then he comes into Florida and looks just as composed as any quarterback we've had in five years on the road in a tough SEC environment at night. And then he goes against Missouri and proves, he's like, hey, like, I'm about this shit. Like, I can do this. I'm going to be the guy for Tennessee this year. So now I think Pitt's really not even that close of a game because we talked about Milton missing four – Touchdown passes in the first quarter. I mean, Missouri game played out how the Pitt game should have went if we hit on our passes. I mean, sure, Pitt may score 41, but we're still missing 21, 28 points that Milton just did not deliver us. And also, the Pitt game's kind of unfair on Milton because he didn't have time on Evans. And Hooker's not played a game without time on. We've not had to rely on Hooker to throw the ball because of how well in the three games we've been able to run the ball. So I think – it's kind of I'm I'm kind of on low side. It's kind of hard to go back because there's so many what ifs. What if Tyon plays? What if Jalen Hyatt catches that one ball? There's so many what ifs. But I mean, I guess if we're gonna play devil's advocate, yeah, I think we'd be pit if Cooper's playing the whole game. Yeah, that's what uh, Paul kind of hit on. What I was gonna hit on. I agree with you guys. If if the game was later on in the year, if it was about to come up here in a couple of weeks, I think we win it then. Um, but I was going to hit on what Paul said there. If 
I think if we would have played Hooker more in the Bowling Green game, you know, maybe he's more composed, maybe he's not. Um, but you know, you just never know. Um, we'll get that. We'll get that chance next year. There you go. There you go. All right. Um, we saw um, towards the end of this Missouri game, we got to see a lot of the younger guys. We got to see Marcus Pierce Jr. come in, eleven carries, forty-five yards, touchdown. Um, that's a guy that I kind of heard some rumblings about back when they had the open practice. Uh, what was that, like April, May? Um, I was I was surprised it took this long to see him take the field. I think that guy could really produce in the next couple of years, along with Laneith Whitehead, who we got to see this game, nine carries, 96 yards. That's 8.4 yards per carry. And we got to see Mr. Aaron Beasley on the field, eight total tackles, six solo, one and a half tackles for loss. Um, I know there's a lot of questions about depth with this team, but I really think we're starting to see that, you know, cert some certain position groups um, do have some depth, especially running back. I think we've got a stable full of running backs. Um, anybody else got anything they want to talk about before we go to South Carolina? I thought um, real quick, I just wanted to comment on that. Who was the guy that uh, came in and started true freshman for flowers? Charles. Um, Christian Charles. Christian Charles. Oh, he did a pretty good job. Wasn't he the one that almost intercepted that one early on in the game? Yeah, he had, he, had, he had an injury. Oh, okay. But still, I thought, you know, I yeah. thought he came in, started strong. Um, and then I was looking at just how many guys we did play on defense. I was looking on the stats on ESPN, and I was pretty impressed. I mean, once again, I was not expecting our defense to, to be really much of anything. And I mean, I just think it shows that when you unite a team and they're on the same page and, you know, everyone believes in each other, just how big of a difference that really makes. I would like to talk about the black uniforms before we move on to South Carolina. I know that's part of South Carolina, but. What black uniforms? <laughs> some Twitter account from Tennessee posted some cryptic tweet about us wearing black uniforms, something about dark mode. Oh, well, cool. They, they clearly don't give a shit about traditions. <laughs> I mean, I just can't believe we're not wearing the same exact <laughs> uniforms that the 1998 team played with. I mean, the fact that they washed those, it's just untraditional. Like, it's, you, I just can't watch the ball. Saw, you saw what happened when Pruitt tried to go back to those cleats, right? That worked out. We got uh, Thinking of, I'm thinking of uh, canceling my season ticket subscription because it's just so untraditional to wear those. It's, it's not a color palette. It's getting hard to text a buddy, Danny White. Yeah, I'm I'm the least offensive person ever. But when I when I see people complaining about how how ugly or those those uniforms are gorgeous. Yeah. But if but if I see somebody clowning them over stupid stuff. Like somebody was bitching about the helmet. You don't need black on black on black on black, or you don't need the whole uniform. I mean, our home uniform is a white helmet, an orange jersey, and orange pants. All three colors don't have to match. And that helmet is freaking gorgeous. You don't need gorgeous. a black helmet to set the whole uniform off. And, and I legit, deep down, get offended when people clown a good-looking uniform. Like, there, people want to say no, there's facts and opinions when it comes to what you think looks good. No. There's ugly uniforms, and there's beautiful uniforms. That uniform is gorgeous. And I'm, we've, we've asked for this since 2009, maybe even longer than that. And we finally got this, and it, they did it right. I applaud them 100%. Hopple, bring out red if you want to next week, just so I can hear the, all them uh, traditionals cry about it. Bring red. out brown. I don't care. Real quick, I just wanted to say all of these like people who are screaming tradition over a um, a jersey. What about the tradition of winning? And did anyone see how excited that all these players were to wear these do like freaking dope ass uniforms? That video, they were so psyched to wear that. Everyone's like, oh, stop with the gimmicks. Everything is gimmicks now. People love new uniforms. They love social media. They love followers. I mean, is it like that's just the progression? That's the way it is. And recruits are looking at this shit. 
So I am all about it. If they want to wear black, if they want to wear red, if they want to wear pink for breast cancer, that would be super cool. But just in general, whatever it is that makes them stay united as a team and go out and feel important on the field, win some football games, I am all about it. There are way worse things than wearing a super nice black uniform to go beat the cock's ass. Well, the, the, the same people that complain, it's always the same group. They're always over 55. They have missionary sex. Like they drive their 2007 Ford Focus to their nine to five job every day. They live boring life. Like that's all they complain. That's all they got to complain. They love the same type. They eat the same lunch every day. They watch the same TV show over and over. Like there's no change in the, in their everyday life. They're just boring, miserable souls. And, and, and like, I don't even know. I really lost my train of thought. Somebody else go ahead. Well, look, I want to piggyback off what Leland said about the helmets. Y'all are bitching about a helmet that they modified to make look good. They black outlined the T, they black outlined the stripe, and then they took off the white face mask and put a black one on. So they made this shit match. Like, you guys are just bitching the bitch at this point. And what Lowe said, the only tradition we've had since 1990-whatever-the-fuck is losing. Are you? Is that the tradition you want to follow? You want to lose by 40? Would you rather lose by 40 in an alternate uniform or lose by 40 in orange and white? Clearly – it matters to you. To me, I just want to win. So if the guys like the uniform, awesome. Another thing I want to say is when Trevor Lawrence and Jacob and Justin Fields were taking visits here, the picture they got, it was in the Smoky Grace. Every recruit, every kid loves the fucking alternate shit. That's why Oregon can recruit. Who the hell wants to move to Oregon for four years of their life? Nobody. Nobody wants to move out of California, Florida, Georgia, where all these big kids are playing. Hawaii, Mark. You think Marcus Mariota wanted to go to Oregon because of the scenery? No, <laughs> the cool uniforms, and he was probably getting paid. But the uniforms are dope. Let's add some flair. Heupel's known to add flair everywhere he goes. The man wore a Batman costume to practice one day on Halloween. He doesn't care to switch shit up and have fun. His first activity with the team was playing dodgeball. You old fucker should have saw this shit coming from a mile away. Can I can I give y'all a quote real quick? Uh, so this is Ben McKee uh, from Ball Calls. Hopple was talking about the black uniforms. He said, uh, "We've got the best uniform combination in college football. Our tradition is tremendous, but it's also good to put a new age approach on on it at times. It's part of recruiting. Have to celebrate tradition, but try some new age things too." And well, that was Hopple. Perfectly said. Dixie Fieldhouse. Oh shit! I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I really like the uniforms. I like, I like that they uh, they did the black outline on there. And I saw Swain event saying that um, apparently they really did want to do all black helmets, um, and the supply chain got all messed up. All this, you know, stuff's been crazy because of COVID. Uh, but just the fact that they did try to do something for the helmets um, helped it out. Um, all right, so uh, looks like the Vols are uh, favored by 10.5 currently going into the South Carolina game. The over-under is set at 56.5. Do the Vols cover and get the over? What do you guys – how would you bet this game currently? Oh, I got I got Tennessee uh, minus 10 uh, for sure covering. Um, I, I don't know about the over and under. You said it's 56. 56 and a half. Ooh. That would mean I, – I just don't trust South Carolina's offense to help with that over. Uh, now, we might be able to score – I don't. I wouldn't imagine in a, in a perfect world we would score 50, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put my eggs in that basket for Saturday because even if we score 35, they have to score, you know, 20. And I don't see that. They've. I don't think they've scored twenty all year, to be honest. Um, but I'm. Ha I'm definitely hammering the minus ten and a half or ten or whatever. Um, hammer that for the Vols. Um. Yeah. I 100% think they cover. Um. I was trying to think. I think they average just under 23 points. 22.4. Okay. So yeah. I mean they. But they. I don't know what that's been against. Um, they played Kentucky. 
they already, didn't they? I'm, I'm checking their schedule real quick. Uh, so they've scored they've scored 46 against EIU. Okay, um, they scored 20 against ECU, 13 against Georgia, 10 against Kentucky, 23 against Troy. So their offense is god awful. Well, that shocks me though. They scored 13 against Georgia. I mean, shit. Georgia just shut out Arkansas. So that's something y'all got to keep in mind. I I had them scoring 17 on us. Um, so I don't, in terms of does Tennessee cover the spread, I do think so. But if they were able to put up that much on Georgia, that does surprise me a little bit. I'm not really sure why. Maybe it was a fluke. I don't know. Or maybe they actually, they actually got a field goal on the first drive of the game. They got the ball. Georgia got the ball first, scored. South Carolina um, – uh, went down the field, got a field goal. So they actually got two field goals, like in a couple in the first and second quarter. See, that, that's crazy. That's that surprises me. I was looking into that. So with that being said, I I kind of feel like it's gonna. I mean, I feel comfortable saying take the over. Honest, if I'm being honest, I feel comfortable saying that. That's what I was gonna do. Um, even conservatively, I was gonna say like forty-eight ten or 48-17 or something of that nature, and that still hits the over for me. Um, so that's where I'm at with that. But just keep in mind that they were able to score some points on Georgia, and obviously it was in the first half, so I found that a little bit interesting. we got to make sure that we start out solid and not you know, do anything screwy. Because I think that, from what I looked up as well, if they get in the red zone, they're 13 out of 14 attempts for scoring, South Carolina is. So we got to keep them out of the red zone. And as long as we do that, I'm not very concerned at all. But that's where I'm at on that. So I'm going to say this about South Carolina. They are coming in to the shittiest time to play us right now. We're fresh off a 60-point outing on the road. We got dope-ass new jerseys, all sorts of recruits coming, which means the fan, the fans always show up when we have notable recruits coming. No if and buts about it. We are always there to show off how much we love the Vols when we know we have like eight to nine. We have 13 confirmed possible balls coming to the game Saturday. I don't know if y'all saw that. We have 13, and I think seven of them are from the state of Tennessee including the number one quarterback in the state of Tennessee. So I think South Carolina coming off a game where they really struggled against a team they should have comfortably whooped their ass against Troy. Like, come on. You're an SEC team and you're struggling with Troy. And now you're going to come in our den. South Carolina fans are talking all this shit about how you're going to kick our ass. And then I asked to put 50 on it and then I don't get a reply. So if you're that confident with me, if you're a South Carolina fan watching this, I'll put a grand on this game if that's how we're playing. Because Tennessee, I don't think South Carolina scores until late in the third or fourth quarter. I don't find nothing – like against that Georgia game, there's a quarterback change. And that quarterback is not playing tomorrow. Or it's Saturday. What's it? When's it? Yeah, he's not playing Saturday. <laughs> I wish today was Friday. I'm ready to go. <laughs> but we're in a situation now – that Tennessee is on fire offensively. We found our identity, run it down your throats, and then you think you're going to load the box and Hendon Hooker's going to hit a 45-yarder over your face. Like, we just don't give a shit about you or your mothers. Like, we're going to start kicking people's ass. These lower mediocrity teams, South Carolina, Missouri, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, like, we're going to start kicking their ass consistently again. And we're going to fuck around and start killing teams. And then this annoying-ass fan base that you thought was annoying when we were losing – it's going to get five times worse when we start kicking your favorite team's ass. So that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so I've got us, uh, I've got us covering for sure. I can't take the over. Um, as much as I really want to pound the over, my score prediction comes out to 52. So I can't. But yeah, if I was actually putting money on this, which I, I try not to bet on Tennessee, um, I would, I would take the over. Um, Real quick, want to give a shout out. Uh, I just noticed down in the comments we got Theo Jackson and Jay ba Jay Blakely uh, watching. What's up, guys? Uh, hope we kick some ass this weekend. I know we will. 
Love the way you guys are playing. Also, um, uh, we had done some talking with Brian Maurer about coming on the show back, like, episode three. Um, obviously, um, he's chosen to leave the university, but he did shoot a message to the page today. Wanted to let Ball Nation know that um, he'll always he'll always love and support the balls, uh, no matter where he ends up. So, shout out to the Brian Maurer Power Hour and uh, Theo and Jay. So, um, we were talking there. South Carolina hasn't scored many many points this year, 22.4 points per game. They're also only allowing 17.4 points per game. Um, so, they've been squeaking out. They've been squeaking out wins. They've also been squeaking out their losses. Uh, they only lost to Kentucky by six points, 16 to 10. Um, do you guys look at this as like uh, a low-key trap game coming off a big win? You got Ole Miss next week. Uh, any chance we we ride the wave from uh, Missouri and and fumble this one? Or are you guys just pounding the over? Um, so I guess that's a good point. I haven't even thought about that from, stand, from a standpoint. Um, I guess this is the first um, – Hopple test of catching his team at a high Missouri uniforms. Uh, South Carolina's coming into town, Ole Miss next week. Um, that's a very good question, actually, uh, Bandit. Um, I guess we're going to find out if he if he can have his, his he can rally his team a little bit. Um, noon games are very they're 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 unpredictable. So one team sometimes doesn't want to get up in the morning. The other team you know, shouldn't have gotten up, and they did, and, and back and forth. And it, you don't know what you're going to get when you when it comes to noon. Um, I wish this game was about a, like a 4 o'clock kick. Um, but um, I I think he can have his team ready. He's had his team ready to this point. Um, I think the, the jerseys will will keep that trend of, of being ready for the game. That will help. People want to talk about this whole energy thing with new uniforms, and it's it's a little cliche, but at the same time, I mean, who knows if Kiffin's team didn't beat South Carolina that year? I mean, when when everybody came, they went out uh, in warm-ups in orange, went back in, came back out in black. Uh, I didn't go to that game, actually, and uh, but people talk about it all the time, how um, there was just the extra juice in the in – the, in the um, in the stadium, and that team was actually good. They had like Stephen Garcia and and uh, was that his name? I can't remember if that is his name or not. The QB for South Carolina, anyway. Um, but there was extra extra juice in the stadium that night. And Halloween obviously adds to it, but um, that this is going to be a test, a small test. We'll see, but I think he's going to have his have the troops ready, and um, we'll see. I am. Um... First of all, this team is so used to these damn noon kickoffs. I mean, my God, they've just been pounded down their throats. I think they'll be will be perfectly fine in terms of starting out well. Um, I have no reason to believe we won't start out fast, just like we always have. I think the new uniforms will add some extra hype. Um, Get the guys excited. I mean, they have a lot to look forward to. I think it's a good group of guys. Um, honestly, I mean, if they play even half, maybe not half, maybe about 60% of as good as they played against Missouri, I see no reason why we don't win this game. They, I mean, they basically totally kicked Missouri's ass. Do I think that it might be a little bit closer in the beginning than people would like to think? Probably. Um, just based on a couple of things I said previously, they did put up some points on Georgia. Not many, I know, but I'm just saying they need to come out and be disciplined. I don't question their abilities and I don't question Heupel's team. I think they're going to come out ready. Um, I think they're going to be stoked to play in those new uniforms. And I, like I said, I have no reason to doubt it, but Again, no mistakes. They did a great job. I think they only had two penalties last game. Um, they need to keep that going, not a bunch of stupid mistakes. They did a really good job with improvement on the penalty thing last game. 
Um, also, I would like to see one thing that I really want to see this game is I know we did force a couple turnovers on defense in Missouri, but we also missed a couple. I think that we're going to have to start as we get into the harder part of our schedule this season. I think those are going to have to be must grabs. Like some of those turnovers that we could have forced, we're going to have to get those in these next few games. So what I'd like is, you know, I'd like to, us to not miss those opportunities of the turnovers there. You know, go after it, take it. You know, we got to catch those and turn those into pick sixes. So that would be one thing that I would love. That was really the only negative thing I had was just those couple um, missed potential pick sixes or turnovers, um, which we still forced a few more. So I would love for them to improve on that, uh, put some extra glue on their gloves and catch those moving forward. I think that'll be big, and I'd like to see that. But, you know, I say don't sweat it, get excited, get ready, have fun, and I'm not, I'm not too concerned. Part of the last three coaches we've had is we've lost games after big wins, and we're just like, what the hell? Like, was that even the same team you put out the week before? Did you, like, replace them with, like, your recruits that you want to play here? Like, did you give them a fan experience during a, a real-life game? Because, like, like if you take the – I know we lost the Tennessee-Florida game, but we looked awesome. And then we come home, host Arkansas the following week, and we lose at home to a really sorry Arkansas team. Like, they weren't that good that, in 2015 to beat us. Not good enough to beat us. And then we have Hypel, and I like I really like what Leland said. There's a lot of highs coming into this game. Big blowout win on the road. You're, at, you're back at home. New uniforms. It's going to come down to whether or not Hypel can be like, all right, guys, settle down. Everything's awesome. We're excited. But don't forget your job. Like, this is still just as serious of a job regardless if we're wearing our underwear with our helmets. Like, you have to realize the job is still the same. We have – and if Hypo's going to sustain a coaching career here, these are the games you have to win. Missouri, South Carolina, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, they should not be beating us anymore. Losing to them sucks. I can I can handle losing to Florida, Alabama, and Georgia all day long. Like, I understand that we're not there yet. But losing to damn – Carolina, Missouri, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, like that shit just can't happen here. When Pruitt did it his first year, I told my buddy, I was like, Pruitt's not going to last here for long. He's not going to be able to sustain anything. And then in 2019, we beat probably the worst Vanderbilt team in the history of God other than 2020. And he's like, oh, you see that? Pruitt's beating Vanderbilt now. Like that's the hill you're going to die on, that we can beat Vanderbilt at home? Like, okay, cool. But Hypo is in a – like. Everything you do in your first year as a head coach, regardless of the first year excuses, watch everything, every little thing, every coaching tendency, every backwards play that doesn't go right, every timeout you don't call. Hell, we had a five, 15 minute discussion over whether or not dude should have used a timeout with 15 seconds at the Florida game at halftime. Like every little thing you do is year one. You think Saban's getting that shit on Alabama podcast? No, because Saban has credibility. If you're going to establish credibility, as an SEC head coach, you have to start winning games like this. And then your coaching decisions will have, I don't want to say less pressure, but you can get away with fucking up a couple times if, hey, a year ago I just beat the shit out of every SEC team but three. Like that's that's kind of how you have to look at this. This is a tone-setting game, not for just the season, but for the rest of Hypo's career here. Uh, Hypo had mentioned uh... – the, the last couple of weeks before Missouri, he didn't like how the team uh, prepared and got ready the last 48 hours before the game. But uh, he said that's what he liked the most uh, from last week was the, the last 48 hours before they left for Missouri. Um, I think that becomes muscle memory for this team. I think yeah, that, that was like a aha moment for them. Like, okay, when we do, when we do this, big, big output. So I think that can, can become a muscle memory from them for them. Um, digging into the South Carolina team some more. Um, Troy Troy came into their game last week, uh, averaging 250 passing yards a game. South Carolina held them to 160 passing and picked up two interceptions along the way. They also forced two fumbles on Troy. Um, 
but gave up three themselves. So they were only plus one in the turnover margin there. Um, so I, th- I think the best game plan against the South Carolina defense is uh, be cautious but attack. Um, clearly, um, you know, South Carolina's they gave up three fumbles against Troy last week. So, you know, I think I think our defensive guys will probably make a point of ripping the ball out this week. And uh, Hooker just needs to uh, keep doing what he's doing. You know, every, like we just talked about, ever since the the big interception he threw against Pittsburgh, he hasn't really gotten um, reckless with the ball at all. So keep that up. Be cautious. Attack on defense. Go for the ball. Put the put your helmet on the ball. Strip the ball. Go for the ball. Ball, ball, ball. We want we want three more fumbles out of South Carolina this week. Um. That's all I got for uh, for South Carolina. I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out some of their offense here. Is this this guy's name is Duty? Because some of his stats look like he has been playing like Duty. Ball, uh, ball sack and Duty. Red ball sack and Duty. Back and the cops. <laughs> um, I'm looking at some of his stats. God Almighty! I mean, this makes JG look like Peyton. Uh. They're shit, man. I don't see the leg that the Kings have that they're fighting off of. They're not good. He has a 38 or 36 uh, QBR. It's 100 in the nation. Um, Big numbers. Big I don't know what – I mean, he looks like he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. He has one pick. Um, Their running back – their top runner has 22 carries. That's weird. Either he's been hurt or I, I don't know. Um, they do have a receiver that has more yardage than our leading receiver. A van, 343 yards. Uh, Jones has 239. Um, maybe that that's a little weapon they have we have got to worry about. It always seems like South Carolina is just a, a thorn in our side for some weird reason. They've always been that team that we've, in, in 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 our history, in our history, they've <laughs> in our history they've been um, they've been like our stepbrother, but then they'll they'll beat us or you know one of Clawson's years, you know they Mac, um, that QB they had was just always killing us and um, but uh, and then like we couldn't beat them or we beat them when Spurrier was there we couldn't beat them when. Um, uh, was it Muschamp? Yeah, Muschamp. We could. I, mean, I think we finally beat them there towards the end. But um, yeah, this 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 team's garbage. Um, so I watched the South Carolina Troy game, and the only success they ever have on offense is when they run outside. That's the one run that I'm okay with them trying to attempt on us because our outside rushers are Tyler Barron and Jay Blakely. Go ahead at them. Like go like. Run the ball at them, please. I will be screaming every third down when they blow your ass up for every tackle for loss that they get. Because at the end of the day, defensively, we're just – our defense is so much better than their offense. And then when you look at our offense versus their defense, you could say it's like 60-40 us. But if your defense is going out there and capturing momentum, it doesn't matter what the hell you're putting out on there on defense. If the offense is riding a hot defense and they're scoring – Momentum's going to take over, and then we're going to do exactly what we did against Missouri. How good has our linebackers been playing? Look at Jeremy Banks. He went back and forth. Jeremy Banks is such a beast. I, I, hate, I hate to beat a dead horse, and I hate when we talk about him, And but Pruitt could not figure out what position he wanted Jeremy Banks in. We went to running back, and he went to linebacker. He went back to running back. and then, But he is balling out at linebacker. Best linebacker we've had in a long time, and that's a shot at – Mr. Oto to 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 to, um, but uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, he's all over the freaking field, and then like I guess the experience at running back. Shout out to Pruitt for this. The experience of running back helped the other day because he about scored on the on the on the on the pick. That's but that's, uh, what, that's what cracked me up on that on that pick. The uh, ESPN announcer he, he said Jeremy Banks looks like a running back. I'm like, well, he fucking used well, to be. Well, yeah, no shit. <laughs> Can we get can we clone him? I wish we could. I wish we could, could uh, clone him. Get us about three of those guys it up there. It cracks but. me up when ESPN doesn't do their homework, and you can just tell. 
like when they when they said on that Jawan Jennings reverse pass, oh Jawan looks like he used to be play quarterback. Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> what he was here to do? Why we recruited him? Oh Lord. You guys ready to get some predictions out of the way? Yeah. yeah. Anybody got anything else? Don't want to skip anything. No. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna break the bank on the on the scoring here. Um, I think we got our scoring out of our system last week. Now, don't get me wrong. I would love to see that again, but I just wouldn't bet on it. I'm. I'm. I'm going to go with a blowout. I think I'm going to go um, new uniforms and smack dab in the middle of two SEC games. Ole Miss coming next week. We'll go. We'll go thirty-five to ten. They cover the spread. The under hits, and we go home happy in our traditional black uniforms. Wait, is it going to be traditional now? Like from here on out, it happens. It's tradition now if we do it every year, right? So once again, I mean, if you play, if you do one game a year, they're technically traditional annual uniforms. I mean, exactly. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was getting sidetracked. So I've been like sitting here during this whole pod and I had an original prediction of 49 to 13. God. And now I'm like, no. (laughs) So I don't really know. I'm like toying. I think we put up 42 points. I really do. I feel confident in that. I'm just going to go 42-13, which would now null my over thing that I said, but I would definitely feel comfortable betting that we cover. But now I'm like, God, I don't know. I'm too iffy. I would also, before we like to, before we end all of this, like to remind Leland publicly, just so that if it doesn't happen, everyone roasts his ass. He owes all of us shots because he said that we were smoking the crack pipe thinking that we were going to blow Missouri's ass out of the water last week. And we did over 21. So as soon as he recovers and gets off his deathbed and is able to go in the public eye again, shots. I got you. I got you. I, now, to be fair, I did say that we would put up, I think my score prediction was in the forties maybe. Yes. Uh, but I also had Missouri scoring about 40 something also. But, uh, yeah, I got you. I got you. We can do shots. But I'll just stick to my white claws. But y'all can drink the hard stuff. So, I think Leland might kick my ass through this computer screen for my score prediction. <laughs> oh, God. So, before I say that, I'm going to say a couple of things that I think are going to happen in the game. I think the player of the game is not going to be an offensive player. I think uh, – he's watching it right now, but I think Jay Blakely or Elante Taylor score – on defense, I think we either force a fumble because South Carolina has been fumbling the ball all year. Uh, I think our defense is going to be hungry because of how good we played last week. So I think we pitch a second half shutout. I think Carolina may score a couple bullshit touchdowns in the first half, but my final score is going to be 52 to 14. Uh, Tennessee runs away in the second half, much like we did against Missouri. I think we had the game in full control, but I just think we scored a couple of touchdowns with Marcus Pierce or again or something like that. I've got Tennessee winning it 38 to 14. Um, I think I give this, uh, I'll probably end up giving this South Carolina defense uh, more credit than they deserve. Um, I feel like Hypel will probably bet the over and we'll put it. Uh, more like 42 or 48, but I've got it 38-14. Balls uh, cover. The under hits. 38-14. Anything else you guys want to talk about? Jay Blakely, if you're watching this still and you score on Saturday somehow, I want a shout-out. ATB Paul, put that shit on the internet. I want my (laughs) shout-out. He's he's definitely still watching. He's still in the comments. All right, bet. Anything else you guys got? I think that's good. All right. Brought out another one-hour show. Do what? Don't forget to tell them to come see us at the tailgate. Oh, yeah, guys. uh, We're not going to be 
uh, out back at G10 this week. We're going to be at G17. That's the Lake Avenue garage across from Cool Beans. Come on down. Uh, we'll do some tailgating across the street over to Cool Beans. Hang out. That's another free plug. Dude, I keep giving out these free plugs. I need to contact these places. Uh, yeah, y'all come on down to G17. Hang out with us. Um, this will actually be we're gonna do a secret word for a free beer, like we did Wait. for the pit game. You, it's yeah, live. You, you guys come on down and uh, we're still watched. And we won't need a secret word. Come on down, grab yeah. a, grab you a cheap beer out of the cooler. Ass. That's the secret word. Hooker. Ass. Hooker is the secret word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, y'all come on down to G17 Lake Avenue. We'll be down there from seven to eleven. We're going to get on out of here for tonight. Ben Falls. Take care. Wear your, your black. Bandit, if I swear, if I see you wear one more Titans polo to a Tennessee game, I'm going <laughs> to strangle you in your sleep. Stop. Hey. Wear orange. Y'all know why we're there. <laughs> oh, God. Such All right, we're out of here. Take it easy.